0: joining us for a new podcast called A Look In. This podcast is for young women uh, who want to join us for a casual conversation where we take a look into what's happening in the world around us with a bit of a hopeful perspective and consider if Jesus is relevant to it at all. Today you are joined by me Anna Beaver and me Laura Southon, and me Alice Triggs. We have a little disclaimer that we are going to have an unscripted conversation every week about all sorts of issues and even things that we don't know lots about like politics and opinions so today's quite relevant actually um and we're in the process of deepening our thoughts and thinking about things and we don't always have the right answers but we really enjoy chatting about them so today we're going to think about um Dominic Parate and also consider can we have opinions about things, considering we don't have all the information. Um, But before we get started, what are you guys watching, listening or enjoying at the moment?
1: Well, I actually just recently finished two shows they had their season finale that I've been enjoying watching week by week which was the second season of Ted Lasso which was very controversial because of a big Mm. character twist and arc and I've been so interested there's been like an explosion of commentary about it on the internet and all these questions about redemption and like whether some Mm. people have any hope and it was so great. And also a funny one, Only Murders in the Building, which was like um, a comedy slash crime show slash parody about crime podcasts and stuff with comedians. And that was fun as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Sounds good. I feel like um, I haven't been watching or reading or was to that much at the moment. Um, Because I've been enjoying just getting out of the house um, and going for ocean swims, which is really nice. But one thing that I am really enjoying at the moment is I recently got a silk pillowcase. Guys, revolutionary sleep experience. I know, it's so good. What's so revolutionary about it? It's just silky. It
1: feels nice.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's good good. for your skin. It doesn't like, if you put nice um, moisturizer on or whatever at night, it doesn't absorb it all into your pillow. It stays on
1: your face. It's meant to be good for curly hair, which I have, yes. because it doesn't catch on it. But I'm, yeah, I'm just not that in. in and that. bad skin, yes. yeah, well, which thank you, you don't
2: have. But yeah. <laughs> <know. Thank
1: you, laughs> <Al. laughs>
0: well, I am reading a book, which is unusual for me because I dislike reading generally. But never had been in a book club until lockdown, and then the first lockdown, and then that just sparked like you know book club season. For me and then my brother who's a few years younger than me said to me hey you're in so many book clubs I've never done a book club I was like neither had I till last year and he was like can I be in a book club with you and I was like oh my gosh Oh, that's so fun weird. and so he's only a few years younger than me but did not think he'd be interested in that sort of thing so he recommended a book called Heartsick, which is oh. great by Jesse Stevens loving it having some very interesting conversations flowing through that about heartbreak and what love means and is it just the two of you or have you recruited others yeah, just the two of us oh that's fun I told my other brother about it and he was like definitely wouldn't be into this sort of thing like that but I didn't think either of them would be but one brother Nick is kind of just like DJ interested in like pop culture things the other one is like hippie lives in Tasmania climbs rocks like they're very opposite personality anyway I told George about it he was like oh that's like a really nice thing to do for you and Nick but said it in a way that I was like, do you want to join? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was his thing. So I've been really enjoying that and talking to my brother about that. So that's been nice. That's cool. My follow-up question for you today, which is just something someone asked me, that I was like,
1: I've got to ask the girls. Do you think you're a cool person? <laughs> I think it really depends the tone with which you ask someone that. You know? <laughs> Do you think that you are cool? How did they ask you, Anna? What was
0: <laughs> well, they actually said to me, like, when I first met you, I thought you were really
2: cool. <laughs> and
0: the more I've got to know you, the more the illusion of that has kind of.
2: <laughs> Do you think that you're cool, Anna?
1: Yeah. yeah. Does that pair for you? Yeah. Totally. I
0: wasn't very cool at school, <laughs> but like whatever that meant at school. Oh yeah, I feel like whatever my definition of cool is now, I'm like yeah, I fit into that.
1: <laughs> that is so interesting because I have I can't think of an, a single second of my life where I've been like yeah I'm cool. It's just never been a category for me, but I'm not I've never been that stressed about it. I don't think I'm just like yeah. happily uncool
2: most of the time. Yeah, I feel the same, Laura. I feel like not interested in being cool isn't
0: that a cool thing in itself no I don't
2: think so (laughs) I don't think so but I, I did notice like in high school to be cool was like to be a bit popular and a bit like edgy or whatever and then at uni it felt like it was more about being niche or kind of like having a really specific interest that made you like a bit quirky and cool so I think There's a lot of definitions flying around. I don't think I fit any of them as being a cool person.
0: What about work? Was there a different cool definition at work? Yeah, that's a
2: good question. Maybe just like um, like the connections that you had with people, or how competent and good you were, and respected you were. Yeah. Mm.
1: Anna, what's it like to be cool? Tell us. (laughs) Let me tell you.
2: I just I might not be, but in my own
0: head, I am. I'm going to roll with that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't really know if I've got a full working definition, but I reckon it's a lot to do with just like how com- how
1: confident you feel. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: But I'd describe both of you as confident, but I'd probably be like both of you are cool because you're friends with me.
1: <laughs> Lucky us. So Lucky us. <laughs> That's so funny. It also makes me think, Anna, of that um, super quotable line from Mean Girls where Amy Poehler plays um, but I think she's always a mom, Norda's mom, and she's like, I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool, mom. cool mom. You, and your baby comes, you can be a cool mom. That's Although she's I mean. very dodgy. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, you'll have to reinvent cool
2: mom. <laughs> yeah, I will. I think that will be my aim. <laughs> I think. <mean, laughs> or we'll go for a feel done for your modern family. I'm a cool dad. That's my thing. <laughs>
1: so many role models to aspire to there. I know. So,
0: uh, another role model speaking of cool and a very <laughs> smooth segue do we think Dominic Perotte is cool or not cool
1: how do we feel again I have to say I rarely ask the question is the premier cool <laughs> <laughs> and we still haven't defined it so
0: <laughs> it could really be just whatever.
1: that je ne sais quoi of the <laughs> premier. like He's a cool guy, or she's a cool woman. Um, so I don't really think he's cool, but I'm. I am i Yeah, I haven't
2: really thought about it from that perspective before. There are certainly like cool things in that he's like young, and um, <laughs> I don't know. It's a bit different. <laughs> it
0: can't be cool
2: and old. <laughs> That's well, concerning just that it's for all different. Of us. Like, isn't he the youngest premier? Yeah, yeah, he is. Of our state, yeah. yeah.
1: It is interesting, though, because he's had so much um, kind of lumped on him and, like, all the hate poured out and some of that's been tied to his age, whether it's the fact that he has perhaps more children than average at that age or just his kind of inexperience or Mm. um, naivety or something like that. So that's interesting. I feel like it hasn't always worked in his favour so far, his age. Mm.
0: Well, I feel like the most things that have been in the media about him have kind of been his kind of conservative Catholic background or that he's got a Christian faith. Do you kind of like have opinions about that having a Premier who has a faith?
2: I mean I do think it's interesting um, as you say Anna that that's a key headline and kind of distinctive factor Um, and I feel like there's something like quite appealing about putting someone in a box and being like, if they're this thing, we can tell heaps about them. Yeah.
1: But Also it's
2: tricky because um, like it removes all the nuance and it can kind of feel like, um, yeah, to be a Catholic or to have lots of kids or something is to be one type of person. And maybe he does tick a lot of those boxes, but um, yeah, I feel like it is, um, maybe sometimes tricky if you feel like oh I can kind of identify with some elements of that but really really not with others
1: yeah well I think it's interesting because at one level when a public figure is known for something like their religious beliefs particularly they just become such an easy target whatever they are and um, it's hard to work beyond like stereotypes or cliches or fairly like um, broad brush strokes impressions or caricatures of those things because I mean none of us actually know him I mean yeah. in this conversation at least some <laughs> people know not but lots of people making comment on him don't know him and so yeah. it's hard to speak about what it means for him personally beyond just a label and mm. I think there's often a perceived threat when someone holds a view that doesn't feel shared by a lot of people, or that it's sort of not representative of the mainstream, that there'll be a clash mm-hmm. of interests. And I think so, I think that raises like concerns or alarms for people. Um, but I also think sometimes it can get overlaid with a misstep to assume that that's, um, you know, that's a unique category of ideology, as if, you know, you could, anyone could escape bringing their own ideology to the work that they do or the role that they hold, even if it's not like a religion or faith-based ideology. Everyone's got ideology that informs. And so this is just a very public one, like he's being mm. public about it and it's easy to point to and mm. scrutinise. And so, yeah, I feel like that's kind of part of the debate. There's people like very concerned you want to represent them, but without necessarily knowing lots more about, what he thinks or Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. and I guess with um Gladys the previous premier um people kind of maybe felt like they aligned a bit more with Mm -hmm. her yeah um, even if they didn't kind of agree fully with her political stances or whatever that they could kind of get behind her and maybe Mm -hmm. that feels like quite a big shift then when you're like this new guy not really behind him and then it kind of exposes the political things that you don't agree with as well in a different way
0: Yeah, I think it's got to be connected to who went before him, like, because there's a direct comparison. And I, like, I think Gladys was very popular. And I I don't know if that was just because her views aligned with more kind of people in the kind of circles that I run in, or if because we just saw her every day at 11 o'clock if you watch the press conferences. So it was like an emotional attachment almost. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think the comparison, <laughs> Dominic, is a tricky one. Um, but something I've, it's also made me think is because from whatever n- news kind of, you know, algorithms pop up on my, in my world, I feel like it was very a pro-Gladys message and now it's a very non-pro-Dominic and I think that's definitely connected to his face Um, but also other things like he's a white male, he's got lots of kids and he stands up and drinks beer with all the other white males. That seems to be part of the conversation as well. But I read an interesting article in Sydney Morning Herald that said that what kind of determined if you were kind of pro-Dominic Parate or not, was if you were weird. (laughs) I was like, hang on a second, what? Got my little (laughs) (laughs) It really um, got me checking on the, (laughs) checking reading the article. But it defined weird as a acronym, which said often people who aren't for him are Western educated, industrialised, rich and developed part of the developed world. And I was like, that's interesting because I was like, maybe that describes some of the media that I read or the people around me that kind of the air I breathe is maybe more weird in that weird way. And so, therefore, they're not for him, which I think also then kind of goes with and then generally not for kind of faith-based leaders
1: yeah, what do you think of that? I mean, that's interesting and without a large amount of kind of political insight or, you know, I think it takes a lot to get nuanced understanding of the landscape on things like this. But I also definitely have friends who fall into a lot of those categories but are also um, like politically conservative as well and so are supportive of um him. So it's hard. I don't know. I feel like there's some kind of something about that that resonates, but also I feel like there's exceptions everywhere or something like that too. Mm. Um, but I mean, I was thinking about that in relation to the social media that I consume and take in and all the kind of warnings that are out there about how echo chambery can be and how mm. formed you get or how um, like a slice, only a slice of the broader landscape you get access to. And so it's hard to have perspective that's um, fair, actually,
2: yeah. And you've made the point before, Laura, as well, that, um, like, leaders do have power and can make changes. And when you're in maybe more of a um, kind of privileged um, life circumstance, maybe some of those changes feel less urgent or impact you to a lower degree. Right. And so in some ways it can be more of an intellectual conversation, whereas... Um, yeah, if you're really being affected by those decisions and changes, then that feels more emotional as well. So maybe people have different, like, buy-in to what the stakes are. Yeah.
1: Well, I think we saw that. Like, we have seen it so far with management of the pandemic and things Mm. like that where there's been real community divide and conflict based on actual just real spectrum of experience and what's been hard or lost or what's been okay or provided for. You know, I feel like that um, biblical wisdom, being quick to listen, slow to speak, is mm. significant in situations like this in our communities and relationships. Yeah.
0: Is that how you kind of judge leaders based on what they bring to the table in terms of their character, in that way?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if this answers your question exactly, but when you asked like way earlier in this conversation about how you felt about having a Premier with um, kind of publicly known for his faith, mm-hmm. I think um, for me as a Christian, there's not part of me necessarily that goes, oh, that's so good, you know, mm-hmm. professes Christian faith in that role. Um, because I think of my conviction that... Um, God's goodness is sort of threaded through all parts of his world, and he can provide and bring order and justice and flourishing through um, all sorts of avenues and resources, even when it's not someone who's a Christian, but someone who's just a great leader and a mm. fair leader and just, and um, which is why I think, you know. Um the fact that we care about corruption is good, even though it felt mm. so frustrating and chaotic. Yeah, and yeah. bad timing. Um, like, mm. oh, yeah, it's good to be part of a community where we're striving for democracy to be meaningful and kind of still mm. be upheld. Um, and anyway, so all of that to say, I do think, like, it's worth judging the person on the fruit of their work um, rather than just what's kind of known or profiled about them or claimed about them, whether they have... A similar or the same faith to me or not to be like mm. you know I care about um supporting them and um sort of scrutinizing them in terms of the work they're mm. actually doing in that role
2: that kind of makes me think Laura about um that even just the culture and the system that we're in has been so influenced by a lot of um values that I think have been brought through at the hand of Christians and um some people mm. might think that there are problems with that, but I think also things like um, social welfare and kind yeah. of um, justice and principles like that mm. are deep Christian and that is a really wonderful thing. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right. Like just identifying yourself as a label, with a label, as a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be aligned on everything or a perfect leader yeah. or that there aren't like huge um Things that will be difficult because of that. Mm, yeah. Mm.
0: yeah, that's so interesting because I think a lot of the kind of conversation around his faith is actually on like a few political views rather than, and so I think that's almost like boxing, like what a Christian is, is they think this on climate change or this on abortion or this. And so it's almost like just because he's a leader who has a faith, it's creating a new definition of what a Christian is or bringing up from what people have already thought that I think that's another interesting thing because a lot of those kind of political views aren't my like main definition of like, this yeah. is what a Christian really is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think there are moments where it's hard um, because I think, oh, personally not persuaded on the same values that he has or approaches to different situations. Um and so yeah, the conflict over that being part of his Christian faith, <clears throat> I still be like, oh, actually, there's a much deeper, more complex conversation I'd want to have about that. Yeah, so the labels are rarely adequate, I think. Mm,
0: mm. Something else I've been thinking about is the other day I had a picnic with some friends, which was lovely. I'm still enjoying the picnic life. Oh, yeah, so good. Um, And we were all talking about um, a topic that was really interesting that we could talk about on the podcast another time, but everyone was kind of sharing one opinion
1: and I think I, people have the same opinion as each Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. People have the same opinion as each other. And I kind of sat back and listened to a few of the opinions, which I rarely do, <laughs> I normally <laughs> jump in a lot earlier. So was listening along. Anyway, I shared an opinion that was different and it was just an interesting dynamic that... I was like, oh, like this is a funny position to kind of be in, to share an opinion. And I actually don't think I shared the opinion very gently. (laughs) And so I think that didn't help my cause. But later in the conversation, we continued to talk about, like, can you even have opinions, especially if you don't have all the information or if you are not like an expert in the area um, and then what do you do in group dynamics when there's one person that has a different opinion and everybody thinks something else? Anyway, I've loaded heaps of questions there, but keen to hear your thoughts on what you think about the area of opinions.
2: <laughs> well, I also would add one other element just to make it more complex perhaps, but that I think sometimes some opinions as are perceived as a bit dangerous or unsafe mm. or like, not kind of neutral, but they have some kind of like negative aspect to them. Um, which I think often is good. Like you don't want um opinions that are going to be damaging to just be like aired all the time. But at the same time, like um yeah, maybe that adds an extra nuance and um people maybe perceive different opinions as different levels of harmful things like that. Which I'm thinking about um, Kind of some of the conversations around vaccination things like that as well.
0: Mm, mm. I have so many dangerous opinions, Al. But-
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of your cool edge, you kind of yeah. <laughs> Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's very, um, to me, it makes me think about why, because I, you know, am someone who, like, gets, like, nervous when I'm in a situation where there's conflict or if I think, there's disagreement that people are taking personally. I start to feel like a bit on edge and I sort of think, oh, what's the difference in my mind between conflict and disagreement that is like calm and people be like, oh yeah, I respect that. Or like the stakes aren't that high. Um, and I guess it, you know, obviously relates to like, you know, your example, Al, about vaccination, what people perceive as the consequences of holding a certain opinion and things like that and how it will impact others. Um um, I had this oh, anyway, funny conversation with a couple of my housemates about whether peanut butter was sweet or savoury and, like, the conversation just got too intense. for like, Dangerous <laughs> <that> opinion. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was sort of just in the fun of our relationship, being able to, like, have a bit of a, an argument about that. Um, but then, yeah, or, like, with people that are close to you where you're like, oh, it feels hard to disagree. Um, I think the challenge is to, first of all, not be like so 100% convinced that you're right all the time Mm -hmm. because I think that makes me dig my heels in and never like really listen but just wait for my chance to speak. You know, not actually Mm -hmm. listening to where that other person's coming from or um, trying to see it from their point of view. Like there's no actual investment in that for the sake of respecting them or just trying to be more constructive around the topic. But also I think it can take practice in relationships to learn that you can trust each other to do that because mm. by default, we're a bit wary that if we let our guard down at all or something, then probably we'll get trodden on or canceled mm. or something like that. Mm. I think there's like a habit of relating as well that comes into it. Yeah. There's
0: mm-hmm. those like two big scales, like on a friendship level, It's important to listen, which I probably didn't do enough on the weekend. And then there's kind of like a bigger scale, like when celebrities say things that people disagree with, like the thing a week or two ago with um, Sam Frost talking about being anti-vax and the kind of media response to that and the comment response to that was like such a big pile on. And now she's kind of like gone off social media and kind of gone away and I think that was interesting because it wasn't a popular opinion and it kind of really got like really uh silenced in that way and there's something that I'm like oh what do you do with that if it's and this is probably the wrong thing to say but true or not true like is there something with opinions that's like some opinions are wrong opinions and some opinions are right opinions and does that influence our response to them
2: I feel, like, I feel like um that's the thing that everyone you can have the same conversation and people perceive it really differently like it's almost mm. like there's not even one objective reality that's happening mm. because people perceive that reality in different ways yeah. um or like at some level Yeah, I feel like that comes back to the danger thing as well, that you can be like, I firmly believe that you holding that position is harmful and damaging. That feels like objectively true. Um, How do you kind of go about navigating a gentle, helpful conversation when you're listening? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I think... um it is, I mean, there's other, well, the other thing is there's like dimensions of being like right or wrong or true or false as well, because there's things that people are like, well, it's morally offensive to hold that um, opinion, by which I think, I think there are objective moral standards. And so, Mm. uh, but I, I think that along with that is my, I hold my conviction that none of us are actually perfectly moral people. We actually all need to kind of learn that. And Listening to other people can be helpful to show where our own self-interests kind of blind our moral compass or things like that. Then there's like factually, factually um, true or false, which, you know, obviously that's a very common framework in the whole vaccination conversation, as an example, or like climate change or something like mm. that. Um, Or, you know, the best and most effective response to any kind of systemic injustice or problem, you know, like what evidence do you appeal to or the data? And um, I think one of the challenges is how we just always have to acknowledge we never have complete knowledge, even when we have pretty good knowledge. And so interesting. Um, even, like, at the end of the day, you've got to make a decision based on the evidence you have. But if we stopped, like, forcing each other to be like, I'm 100% sure, and that's the only reason why I'm choosing this outlook, then that would uh, uh, create more space for people to be able to say, I'm, I'm persuaded of this, or I'm pretty sure, based on the information we have at the moment, this is right? or this is true, or this is the best mm. approach. But you can still be kind of humble and be like, it's not because there's no other possibilities or things. And I feel like that just becomes less antagonistic between us. Um, but anyway, when the stakes are really high, I think it's, it's hard to feel safe
2: in that space as well. Yeah, and I think another thing is that um, what we think or what our opinions are can be so conflated with who we are and our value as people mm. so that if you disagree with someone, maybe what you're saying to that person is, like, I don't think you're a good person. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think you're right. Like, to take that antagonism, antagonism, yeah, <laughs> out of the conversation can be helpful um, as well as to acknowledge that people don't just have views on things that are objective or intellectual or an idea, but they're also linked to people's sense of self and identity and... Um, And I think that um, is something that's cool about being a Christian, trying to kind of recast your identity in God and that kind of release that you get then from you can have strong opinions on things but doesn't ultimately determine who you are, um, even though that's super hard to actually do Mm. in practice and heaps of Christians don't do that well. I think that is kind of like an underpinning truth.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting.
2: Yeah, there's some good things to think about in terms of opinions.
0: Um, yeah, keen to keep hearing more thoughts on that topic. I think that's a, a fascinating one and something that I think, especially as we do this podcast and just share our uninformed opinions a lot, <laughs> um, that it's good. I think that's some. there's some principles that I think are worth kind of holding on to. And interesting hearing how Jesus is relevant to you for in that hour of, um, yeah, our identity isn't caught up in those opinions, even if we've got strong ones. And as all eldest children, <laughs> I have a ve- I sometimes am like, I'm really right, and I'm not going to back down mm-hmm. <laughs> on that opinion, mm-hmm. even if I start to know I'm wrong, <laughs> which is
1: not a yeah, way of following like another you. issue, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> very relatable. Yeah, true.
0: Okay, to finish us up today, I have a very important question for our last segment. What is your favourite
1: sun safety item? Wow, this is a topic I'm very passionate about. <laughs> I knew <laughs> um, you would be. I love sun safety. So good. It is critical for my existence as a human <laughs> headed person. Um, well, look, hats, very good, very good but bad for hat hair. And I cut a fringe during the lockdown last year, which I've kept. Fringes are worse for hat hair. That's what I've learned. But I really think hats are important. However, um, sunscreen, I feel like is very good because even when you're in the shade, you can get the sun's rays. So sunscreen, really key, but you do need to make sure you're applying it regularly. (laughs) My favorite sun safety ultimately is being under a tree, I think, but you do still need to wear sunscreen if you're outside and it's sunny.
2: Because being under a tree... On a sunny day, is just so lovely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with the sunscreen. I love um, a sunscreen, which is a bit like indulgent maybe, but it's from Mecca and it smells amazing. And I put it on my face every day. And that is my sun safety tip. Wear sunscreen on your face every day. That is a good tip. And I actually bought that sunscreen after
1: both Alice and my sister recommended that particular sunscreen to me. Very good. And I, I reckon why
0: it's so popular it's is because... It smells, so not like a sunscreen. Yeah. Which is important. And these are important conversations for us as it starts getting warmer (laughs) in Sydney. I bought new sunglasses this week and that is just so exciting (laughs) when you buy anything new, but particularly sunglasses because the last two pair of sunglasses I've had have been nice sunglasses that I've received as gifts But I just cannot be trusted to look after (laughs) nice sunglasses because I'm like, oh, yeah, really important to keep it the case. And then I'm like from my head straight to my back and then Mm. that's just game over. And so I have been wearing scratch sunglasses for about six months just being like I've just got to push through because I've already these are my second pair of nice sunglasses. (laughs) Anyway, so I bought some sunglasses, which I think they are great safety sun safety item because they protect your eyeballs and even if your skin kind of gets like really leathery and you like being able to see is so important I feel like sunglasses is a key thing and the sun can damage your eyes
1: just a quick question on that though because I want to believe in sunglasses I also think they're a great fashion accessory but I just find them Mm. annoying to wear
0: Oh, I like it, oh, especially to, like, I keep your hair face. back if you, like. Have oh,
2: oh, yeah. Then that's not projecting your yeah, eyes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I wear like that. I'm
1: not, I'm Yeah, but actually. inside. Uh, oh, inside. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: that is a good sun safety tip. Very good. Wear your
0: sunglasses. On. But I think <laughs> wearing polarised polarized and category three UV level protection is important because you can get some fashion-y ones that are just glass and that's not doing anything for your eyes.
1: Is this an informed or uninformed opinion?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I went to an optometrist and I asked, I said, can I just buy the cheap chemist sunglasses or do I need to really invest? And he was like, the most important thing is to check that they are UV level three protection and polarised, which they have at the chemist council council. They're quite good. All right, I'm going to go check my summons just to double check. Yeah, okay. good. <laughs> <Stand>. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today and listening to all our uninformed and greatly wise opinions um, <laughs> on the looking today. We are excited for you to catch us next time. See you later. Bye. Bye.